one of those videos up there. <laughs> Today we got it up. Uh, thank you, Wyman, for sharing during our offering time. Um, thank you, Greg and crew and ladies for uh, leading worship. And um, I think she she hates it when I do it, but I thank you. For, I thank my my lovely bride, Allison, because she's a lot of times up here leading. Today she's running the booth. I had a, Jamie had an emergency he had to deal with and dealing with all of those things and with a gimpy husband. Um, she's she's been amazing this week, and so many of you all have been so helpful to us, whether it's bringing me incredibly tasty treats that got sat down next to me and I ate way too many of them. Um, but I love the lemon bars. I always love them. With that, you don't need to bring me more of those. It's okay. Because I do want to be able to fit in my clothes once all of this is over. Um, but many of you have helped out along the way, whether it's... Uh, bringing me lunch, whether it's finding me a scooter, um, and uh, I can tell you that inside this scooter is very helpful. Outside, it's terrifying, but it does work, so I have to be really, <laughs> it rolls really well on pavements, so well. Anyway, um, and it's not new, so the brakes are a little, anyway, if anybody knows a good bike mechanic, we can get those brakes worked on. Anyway, um, God is good through all of our trials and all of your troubles. And, and I know that, you know, through the different things you experience in life, you, so many of you have been through so much more than what I've endured this past week. But I tell you what, when you're in the middle of a storm, it just feels, you know, you've, most of you have been there, right? Some, something has happened where it's rocked everything. And um, when you're a big guy and a big active guy, when you're used to, striving towards at least 10,000 steps a day by this wonderful little device I wear on my thing. And it's, uh, it, it tells me that I've taken 1,000 steps. Uh, I got, you know, you get that energy built up, but at the same time, when you use the energy, you're like, I'm so tired now. You know, so anyway, uh, there's a lot of different things. It's, it's very humbling to experience something like this. And I think that's why God lets us experience a lot of those things is so that we can understand what he has offered us in Christ. And, and I was even thinking about that this morning. I always end up talking about whatever Bible study class I was in. I was in Herbert's Holy Huddle this morning. If you don't know what that is, it's the young adult class because everything has to have a funny name. Anyway, um, I was in the huddle this morning and we were talking about John chapter 13 when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And um, one of the thoughts I always have in that, and I shared it this morning, was I, I'm like Peter. Don't do that. I don't want you to do that for me. But Jesus said, if I don't, then you are without, basically, <laughs> you're without hope. And he said, then wash all of me. He's like, no, your feet are dirty. And um, I've actually, and I shared that this morning too, um, I've, I've developed an appreciation for clean feet. Um, anyway, all kinds of fun things. So um, this morning, the text we're in is Mark chapter 15, and, and I'm not going to stand up um, while I'm reading this because I've gotten myself sat down. And if you've been where I am, you understand that it's a lot of work to stand up. So I, I'm not going to make you stand up either unless you really want to. Um, and I'm really not sure I plan to get through uh, most of the account of the crucifixion here, through verse 32, um, with 
circumstances as they are. I don't know how far I'll get today. I may end up doing two Sundays on this. Of course, this is the culmination of Jesus' ministry to us. And when we look at what Jesus endured here, I have the same kind of response that Peter did when, and probably did in this moment as he saw it happen. Don't do that for me. I want to fix it myself. Here's the deal, guys. We can't. We cannot fix it ourselves. Whether the trial is temporary, like an injured leg, and you just kind of have to let it heal or, or get a cast and gimp around on crutches and a cool little scooter that can get out of control sometimes, uh, or whether it's just dealing with the crises that are in our lives, the relationship problems that we have. Guys, we cannot do it ourselves. But our God is good. He is faithful, and he holds us close through those trials and through those struggles. So I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter, or Matthew, Mark chapter 15, verse 16, and we are going to read uh, through verse 32, and again, like I said, we'll see how far we get today. And the Lord, I'm oh, sorry, try again, and the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, and put his own clothes on him. And they led him, away, led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Lord, uh, with humility we come to this passage realizing that throughout your ministry and seeing all the amazing things you did, this was where you meant to go. It's where you laid down your life for the sins of the world. I pray, God, that you give us the grace we need to live out your word, your truth, that in, in our own 
logical minds where we want to make thing do things that make sense that as we examine an act that in our minds doesn't make sense we would see lord that your mind is not like ours but that this was in your eternal plan that you would receive scorn that you would take the stripes that you would take the punishments that we deserve for the purpose of our forgiveness. And may we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think you can probably see why it might be a problem getting through all of this this morning. Because there's a lot here. This is the culmination. This is the, the account that appears in all four Gospels. The only other thing that appears in all four Gospels is the feeding of the 5,000. The the Gospels themselves, I want to remind you, are not a biograph- biographical experience of Jesus. They are an account of the fulfillment of the Scripture as it would be for the redemption of humanity. And so when we come to a place like this, we need to see that, that Jesus came with purpose. He did not come by accident. And as we looked at a few weeks ago, I can't even remember how long ago. Honestly, the last week feels like a month. But we, we see that you had the Jews and you had the Romans, but you also had Jesus, who God in flesh lays down his life. And this is the place where we come, but it's, it's a place of intentional humility, but it's also, I think, something that we need to realize that we very easily, and I, and I like to draw this illustration, but it's important for us to realize that we could have been any one of these characters in the story except for him. I can't save myself. That's why he came. I just can't do it. You can't save yourselves. Now, because being image bearers of God, because we were created in his image, we can maybe help each other along in this life. You can do things materially and, and, and ministry-wise and serving one another and help each other. But the fact is, is that we have an eternal problem that requires a very peculiar solution. And I say peculiar because that doesn't necessarily mean strange, although I wouldn't take this as to be normal. Would you? Did Peter... I mean, we just talked about the, I mentioned the washing of the disciples' feet. I don't know about you, but I don't go around washing people's feet. Anybody else done that this week? Good for you. I'm serious. Because that is a total picture of humility. But Jesus, the God of the universe, the word that became flesh and made his dwelling place among us, comes to this place where he receives the verdict in the previous passage, remember the Jews, they, they, they had their kangaroo court, and they brought him to Pilate, and Pilate said, I don't find anything wrong with him. Take this guy Barabbas, and they said, no, give us Jesus. We want to crucify him. And so this cross that was meant for a murderer, instead, it's the destiny of the God of all creation. Ponder that. And it's, it's, it's a worthy reminder that you and I cannot save ourselves. 
this past week, I knew when I fell that there was something different that just happened to my body. It had not made those noises before. I needed some help. And Allison probably knew that when I said I needed to go to the hospital, I meant business because I usually don't say that. But I can't help myself in a lot of ways right now. You've helped me out in a lot of ways sitting here. You've prayed for me. But that, that, that kind of thing is, is recognizing the power from on high that falls on us. I cannot save myself. I cannot fix myself. I can appease the pain. I can, you know, vary my, my medicines so that, you know, I won't totally wear out my system along the way so it didn't hurt quite so bad. I can stick my foot straight up in the air so I can try to get the swelling down. I can do all these different kinds of things. I still can't help myself. The healing in the human body happens either miraculously or over time with intentional care. Hopefully not surgery. <laughs> anyway, so when we come to this place, we see that the God of the universe receives what we deserve. Has anybody in here ever been picked on or bullied? Yes. I can say yes, that I have. And I can say it in different settings as well. And, and, and really, who's the easiest one to pick on? The one with the gimpy leg. Let's just say it. It's all right. It's okay. But, you know, we see people that are in great need. And we have these, these ponderings of how, how this happens. And we have this, this picture of injustice where we have to help that person who's in need. And that's a good thing. But we miss the point. We miss it all the time. Because the greatest need we have, we can't handle. You know, I, I've drawn this picture, and it's something that I think is an in, inaccurate interpretation of, of the Scriptures. You've heard, and you've heard it from me, if you've been in here at all, but you've heard the phrase, and, I have, and, and when I say you've heard it from me, in the context that I'm sharing it right now, God won't give you more than you can handle. Here, here's, the, here's the Greek word to apply to that. Do you guys remember the Greek word to apply to that? Baloney. And that's not Greek, but it is a word. Everything we face is more than we can handle. We need each other. We need a Savior. And God knew it. And that's why He took care of it Himself. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.17, we talk about the condemnation that we have already received. The Son of Man has come that we might be rescued from that. And this is the way He did it. Let's look at it. And the soldiers led Him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. Now, in the, other, in, in, in the other Gospels, I can't remember which one right now. Forgive me, I'm on painkillers. But we, we see that Jesus is, is a seminal picture for the government as well. Because you had this, 
this conflict between the Jews and the Romans. You had Pilate and you had Herod. And they didn't like each other. But in the other Gospels, we hear, guess what? Now they're friends because of what they endured here. God brings together strange bedfellows, right? They clothed him in a purple cloak. Why purple? Some translations might say scarlet because it's the color of royalty. And this is where the mocking begins. Remember who this is, okay? This is the suffering servant mentioned in Isaiah chapter 53. This is the one whom when we see at Psalm 22, when his bones are melting like wax, his heart melts like wax, his bones are exposed to, to the world. This is where it happens. They clothed him in a purple cloak and twisted yet together a crown of thorns and they put it on him. Now, I got a picture of a crown of thorns. Can you poke that up there? I think there's a picture up, up there. Um, is it there? Yeah. Oh, that's one of them. I thought I... There it is. Does that look comfy? I don't think it's the actual one. No. But every Easter, we... We get this picture of the suffering of Christ, justifiably so, on Good Friday when he deals with this. But they say, you want to be a king? We'll give you a crown. Remember, he's already been scourged. This is after that. They put this, this crown on him of thorns that are likely poisonous. And they push it down on his head. And they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. What would it be like to be in his shoes right now? To experience what he did. You can look in on the internet. And you can uh, look up some research. And, uh, and there's, uh, there's all kinds of things. And I think it's this fascination with the macabre that we, we have... And, and wanting to know what Jesus endured. And you, you can look it up about what crucifixion was like. And, the, and they go through these accounts that we find in the Gospels and all of the things that he endured. But that's not really why the, the Gospel writers wrote this. Or else we would have gotten all those details. But what happens when you put poison in your body? When you get scratched by something that you're allergic to? What happens? Swells up. Jesus has already been beaten. And now he's being, what does it say, uh, struck. They were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. This is the fulfillment of sarcasm. Right? They're hailing the king of the Jews as they beat him. And they had mocked him. They stripped him of the purple cloak and put his clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. As humiliated as you could possibly be, now he's called to carry his own cross. Whether it's the beam that was a cross whether it was the entire thing, 
can you imagine anybody who has just endured what Jesus has being physically capable of doing that? I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually amazed that he got that far. If they hadn't broken any of his bones, I can tell you that that will slow you down. But he has just been completely humiliated. And he does it honestly. He endures it in truth. He says, He's the king of the Jews. I am. He said, you have said so to Pilate. He receives these things. Because of the truth. He also realizes that he has a reason that he came. And that was to suffer for our sin. And this is the suffering that he endures. And now, he's called up the hill. They... The, the place of the skull, Golgotha, is believed to have been outside of that Norman city. And there, there's lots of speculation of where it actually was and where it actually is today, whether it's the place where the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is or, or whatever. The, the fact is, is that 2,000 years of history have happened, and a lot of tradition have over, has, has happened along the way. And um, Jerusalem doesn't look exactly like it did 2,000 years ago. So there are several possible sites, but there's a couple likely. And one of them could have been the, where the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is in Jerusalem today. But it's a decent distance from the palace where he has been tortured. He's called to carry his own cross. And this fellow is going along the way. He's come in for the feast. He's a Jew, but compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who is coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. Now, there's a couple things I want to touch on in here because, first of all, um, it says that he came in from the country. Cyrene was a long way off. Many believe that it was in modern-day Libya, which, if you can work the map in your head, Tripoli, Libya, is a long way from Jerusalem. He had traveled in for the feast because they were called to return for these feasts. So, Simon, it's a Jewish name of Cyrene. He's coming in from the country, wherever the country is right there. And he's the father of Alexander and Rufus. Why does that matter? I think it's part of Mark's signature on this text. His readers likely would have known who Alexander and Rufus are. Now, that was 2,000 years ago. You and I weren't there. Some of you may claim to be that old. But we weren't there. And so when, when we come to that place, the, these are, are neat little things that we see in the Gospels that, where they give clues of, of who they are. And, and this Rufus character, actually the, the name Rufus appears at the end of the letter to the Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans. Is it the same guy? I didn't get a biographical sketch, and neither did you. It could have been. But uh, we know that, that Mark puts in little things to help authenticate his accounts of Jesus' ministry. And if you'll remember, where was it at the end of chapter 13? No, in the middle of chapter uh, 14, we see that, that this kid runs away naked from Jesus' arrest. Many believe that was Mark. He authenticates, I saw this happen. 
Why does it matter that all these things here? And it's just interesting to see their little personalities. The scriptures were relayed, were written down by humans. It wasn't like, and that's the reason we have four gospels. And, and if you read the account of Jesus' crucifixion, you get different details in all of it. And I'm not diving in all of them in, intentionally today. Uh, for, I've got more than one reason for that. But each one of the gospels gives a little bit different perspective on this event. So, they offered him, uh, they brought him to the place called Golgotha. You guys know what the um, Latin word that that's uh, translated to is? Calvary. Okay? So, we, we sing a lot of songs that have the name Calvary. You see churches in our own community and, and throughout the nation, throughout the world, that use that name Calvary. I've yet to see a Golgotha Baptist church. The first church I worked in in New Mexico was named Calvary, and I always, in my mind, <laughs> changed the name. Anyway, um, but they come to this place of a skull. Why is it called the place of a skull? There's a couple of different reasons. It could have been shaped like a dome, so it kind of protruded over the city a little bit. We'll see that they mock whoever is up there. I mean, you think our world today is twisted? The world's always been twisted. Executions were public entertainments. And they were recently, you know there was a hanging tree on Union? Right? That wasn't that long ago, guys, in the, in the, in the realm of history. Humans are twisted characters. We need a Savior. But they bring them to this place of mocking, of persecution, of humiliation. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, and he did not take it. He wouldn't take the sedative. He was taking the, the pain as it was. That myrrh acted as a numbing to it. Jesus didn't take it. He didn't take it. Now, uh, they crucified him, and they divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. You'll see that as a fulfillment of Psalm 22. And the next sermon I preach, when we get to the next section here, I'm actually going to, um, spoiler alert, I'm starting with Psalm 22. Because a thousand years before this happened, David writes down the accounts of the crucifixion. And they didn't do it then. They didn't, they didn't have crucifixion in David's day. It was the third hour, or nine in the morning. Remember how fast things have rolled? The night before, they were having dinner. They were having the Passover. He gets arrested in the garden goes through the kangaroo court overnight, and by nine in the morning, he's on the cross. The inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. So you see it in the other gospels. Someone will say, this is the king of the Jews. Uh, you'll see Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Um, that, that's, a, that's the charge that's placed against him. And it's, and it's in effect, the Romans mocking the religious leaders. Because remember, Pilate didn't find any charge against him. He didn't want to crucify him. He said, this is, this is, there's no reason to. But they were, the Jews were done with him. So Pilate has written on the, the scribe over his head, the sentence says, the king of the Jews. That is his crime. 
And in other accounts, they say, no, they, they, they wanted them to change it. And they said, he said he is the king of the Jews. And what does Pilate say? Do you guys remember what he said? I've written what I've written. With him, they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. People who had actually committed crimes. Jesus is hung with criminals. Remember in John chapter 3, right before John 3.16, what does Jesus tell Nicodemus? The Son of Man must be lifted up. Here's where it happens. And those who passed by derided him. I don't use that word a lot. But it's one of those words that sounds like what it means. If I'm deriding something, it's not good. Wagging their heads and mocking him, saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Imagine hundreds of people yelling at him like this. All along the way, Jesus has said, my time has not yet come. 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 And when they get to the place where his time has come, how does he respond? Silence. He receives the sentence. Remember, Jesus lays down his life. For us, He could have escaped this, but he knew that this is the way. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Revile is another word. Deride, revile, all these words don't mean good things. Interesting place to stop, right, as we look at the, the path. It's really important that we realize everything Jesus endures for us. And next week we see his crucifixion, we see his death. And, and then ultimately, you know, it, they turn the page, right? Saturday happens, and he conquers it. But let's not... How do we, I didn't try to figure out the best way to put this, because... Because both things are essential. The gravity of our sin. He died for me. He died for you. And he died for that person across the street from you that annoys you. And he, he died for whatever politician you like. And he died for whatever politician you don't like. And he died for terrorists. And he died for that sweet little boy that brings you flowers. And he died for that cute little girl that you see walk down the street with her family. He died for every human in history. We must recognize the task that is before us to proclaim his death, as it says in the Lord's Supper, till his return because we are sinners in need of a savior he takes the Roman execution with the charge of the law the Jews the king of the, as the king of the Jews 
but ultimately offers himself for the salvation of the world. God loves you. He loves every person you come into contact with. You know, I'll bring it up here. We started printing these again, right? On the front, I'm putting these intentionally. We've been working really hard on our church values and, and the different strategies that can go with it and things like that, but our mission statement that we adopted a couple of months ago, we are bringing the restoring love of Jesus to the people of Pueblo. Jesus calls to go into the nations and make disciples. He doesn't call us to hang our shingle out and hope they show up. What are our values? To be Bible-focused, to minister to one another, to have honest relationships with one another, to be engaged with our community, community engagement, and to make disciples. This message is the one that the world must hear. That the God of all creation took on flesh and laid down his life and rose to give us the hope of eternity. Even for a gimpy-legged preacher, even a school teacher, even for a nurse, even for an accountant, even for whatever your task is, even for a mom, a dad, a son, a daughter. It's for each and every one of us. We need a Savior. He is waiting. He has shown you what is good. How will you respond? Our Lord, you, uh, you love us. You are gracious to us. Help us this day to understand all that you do in us by the power of your Holy Spirit. That redemption is a, entirely your work. It's entirely your call. And I pray, Lord, for the one in this, in this room now that needs your call, needs your touch, that they would submit their lives to you that you would call them to the place of, of obedience and trusting you. Our world is broken, and you have given us the answer through your own broken body and your resurrection. Help us to bless you as we worship you now, and we will be obedient to your call. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand. I'm going to stay right where I am. You can find me, though. And I uh, invite you to come as you need to to trust Jesus today.